Mark chapter 5 today, continuing on in the book of Mark. Kind of got a big passage of text we'll look at today. We'll just kind of read through the whole, all 20 verses, and then we'll kind of go back and talk about what it says a little bit. Mr. Thomas said this morning that whenever you, you prepare and you come up with all this stuff to say, and then when you get up to talk, you forget half of it. I have that same problem, Mr. Thomas, which is good for y'all. Some of y'all are saying amen. Because I, I could say about twice as much as I actually say on Sunday mornings, but I don't. So anyway, that, that, is, that is tough because, boy, you, you think of lots of good stuff through the week. It, it, it don't always come back to you, Mr. Thomas, but I think the Lord brings back to you what you're supposed to say. If you don't remember it, it's probably because maybe the Lord didn't, didn't want us to say it. So that's the way I look at it. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Kind of some heavy stuff today. Kind of talking about some, some tough stuff today. Sometimes we get to those passages though. And uh, today we're going to talk about demons a little bit. Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. As soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs. No one was able to restrain him anymore, even with chains, because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but had snapped off the chains and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. And always, day and night, he was crying out among the tombs and in the mountains and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him, and he cried out with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he had told him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? He asked him. My name is Legion, he answered him, because we are many. And he kept begging him not to send them out of the region. Now a large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so we may enter them. And he gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. The men who tended them ran off and reported it in the town and the countryside, and people went to see what had happened. Then Jesus came and saw the man who had been demon-possessed by the legion sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. The eyewitnesses described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. Then they began to beg him to leave their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed kept begging him to be with him. But he would not let him. Instead, he told him, Go back home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning and we thank you for these words. And I pray that you hide me behind the cross as I preach and teach them. And I pray, dear Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me this morning. Give me the words that you want your people to hear, that you want me to hear, dear Lord. And I pray that you just 
let these words make sense to us. And, and God, I pray that you help us to grow in it. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this is a story that some of you may have heard of before. Maybe this is your first time hearing it. Uh, but this is the first time that we've seen, at least through our study of Mark, that we really have an in-depth story about someone who was demon-possessed. Now this man was demon-possessed, and not just demon-possessed by a few demons, but by thousands of demons. Now anytime that we begin to talk about demons in the Bible, uh, sometimes I see uh, kind of one of two reactions that people have toward demons. Now I won't say uh, that, that one is right or one is wrong, but I think we need to, when we read or think about demons, I think we need to kind of be open to what the Scripture says because we see demons mentioned quite frequently in Scriptures. Maybe not in as great a detail as what we see here in Mark 5, but we do see the mention of demons throughout Scripture. Some people, whenever they hear of demons or read Scriptures of demons, uh, they, 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 they think about demons uh, in, in the real world. Let me, let me back up. Sometimes when people uh, begin to think about demons, they think about that demons are everywhere, that everything that goes wrong is, is, has got something to do with a demon. There's a demon behind every bush, so to speak. There are some people who have that mindset. Everything is the devil. Everything is the demon. On the flip side, there are sometimes people that I encounter that say, well, demons don't have any power today. Jesus destroyed the demons with his death on the cross, and there is no demonic activity, or those things were only in Old Testament times. Those things don't exist today. And I don't believe that either of those is true. Now, I could be wrong, uh, but I don't believe that there's a demon behind every bush. I believe that sometimes bad things happen, and maybe there are some evil forces at work in those bad things that occur in our life. Or maybe sometimes those are just life experiences that just occur. On the flip side of that, I also don't believe it's true that there is no demonic activity or no demonic presence in our world today. We see uh, demon activity all throughout the scriptures, and so it seems to me as though if we saw those things then, that they probably still exist in our world today. Now, I don't think we need to walk around being afraid of demons because we have Jesus Christ if we put our faith and trust in him, and he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. But I also don't think we need to uh, say that demons have, have no power at all in this world today because I believe that they probably do. Now, you can decide for yourself. I'm not telling you what to believe. You can decide for yourself whether you think there's a lot of demonic activity or a little or, or none. Uh, but I tend to kind of fall in the middle there. I think that some things that occur in our life, they may be because there's an evil power at work of the devil that's causing some of these things. There are other things that just are part of life. On the other hand, I, I, I don't completely write off demons because I do think there's probably still some of that activity going on in our world today. Uh, now, we've seen Jesus and his disciples. They had gotten in the boat and they had crossed the sea. Uh, we talked about last time that the seas begin to rage and Jesus calmed the seas down and now they have gotten to the other side of the sea and they've come to a place in the region of the Gerasenes, or some of your translations say the Gadarenes. It's probably the same region. It's hard to know exactly where the area was, what the, the exact place that they were was at, but your, your translations may differ a little bit there, and it's okay. Uh, it's still talking about the same area, whether it says Gerasenes or the Gadarenes. Now, as soon as Jesus got out of the boat, it says that there was a, a man there with an unclean spirit that came out of the tombs and met him. 
He lived in the tombs because they weren't able to control him. Now, we see this story of this demon-possessed man who was possessed by many demons. We see the story in Luke. We also see the story in Matthew chapter 8. And, and when we put all the pieces kind of, of these stories together, while they're very similar, there are a few details that may be in one that are not in the other. But what we see of the condition of this man is that he's in really bad shape, spiritually speaking, and physically speaking. Now, he comes up to Jesus when Jesus gets out of the boat, and amazingly enough, this demon-possessed man even acknowledges who Jesus is. He sees that this is Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of the Most High God, and he even comes to him, and he responds to him in that way. He acknowledges him in that way. Now, isn't that interesting? You would think that the demons would flee from Jesus, but instead they are coming to Jesus almost as if to ask for some leniency, which is exactly what they did as the story continues. Because the demons know the power that is in Jesus Christ. They know that Jesus is more powerful than they are. They are indeed afraid of Jesus because they cannot stand against Jesus. Now that's reassuring to me. That's good to know. If in case we ever were to encounter any kind of uh, demonic activity or the devil trying to do things to us or these evils that are coming in our life, it's reassuring to me to know that I've got Jesus in my life. And if the demons were afraid of Jesus then, guess what? They're still afraid of Jesus now, especially after his death on the cross and his resurrection. Because Jesus has, has, has assured the victory. He has assured their eternal damnation. Now, we have nothing to fear when we think about demons, whether those things exist in this world today, whatever you decide on that, I don't know. But if those things do exist, and I believe they do, we have nothing to fear because the demons themselves fear Jesus. And if we are in Jesus Christ, we are in good shape. Now, here's this man who not only has one demon, but he is possessed by a legion of demons. Now, when we see the word legion in Scripture, we have to kind of consider what was going on at that time. Now, Rome was the big country that was kind of ruling in that area at the time. And a legion of soldiers is what the Roman soldiers would refer to as a group of 6,000 soldiers. So when you would hear of a legion of soldiers in the Roman world, a legion consisted of 6,000 soldiers. So when it says that there is a legion of demons in this man, when Jesus asks, what is your name? And he says, legion, because we are many, it appears as though it's probably the demons that is speaking through this man. Perhaps it's the man speaking on his own. But even so, it's the demons inside of him that are influencing him and driving him to this behavior that he is encountering. And he has a legion of demons within him, 6,000 demons possibly. At the very least, uh, 2,000, because we see that that's how many pigs are uh, rushed down into the sea. So here's this man that is greatly tormented by these demonic spirits that are within him. And he is living in the tombs. He's living in a place of death. He's living in a nasty, dark, dreadful place. Uh, and in and, 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 and one of the uh, accounts of this story, the man is naked. He's wearing no clothes. He's cutting himself uh, repeatedly. He's probably got gashes and scars and things that are scabbed over. He's probably bloody and nasty and stinky. He's living in the, in, in the tombs. And what a horrible sight it must have been for all the people of the town to have seen 
seen this, this man who hollers uncontrollably, who can't even be bound with chains. He breaks the chains. He smashes the shackles, it says. This man was completely overtaken by evil, so much so that there was nothing in this world that could be done even to restrain him. And so what the people of the town did is they just avoided him. They stayed away from him. They probably, when passing by the tombs, they would probably take a little extra step over to the side. They would probably tell their children, don't go around that guy. He's the crazy guy. People walk around town saying, oh, so-and-so out there by the tombs, you know him, he's crazy. Now, whether they realized he was demon-possessed or not, I don't know. But they knew that something was going on with him. They knew that he was uncontrollable. Now, he was living in the area of the Gerasenes or the Gadarenes, which is, was a Gentile area. This was not an area of the Jews. Now, that may play some importance in the story. Jesus typically went to Jewish people, but in this instance, he ends up going to an area uh, that was full of Gentiles. Now, a good clue to the fact that this was an area of the Gentiles is the fact that they had 2,000 pigs that were nearby. The Jewish people would not have had pigs because that was an unclean animal. And so here we see Jesus in this area of the Gentiles who definitely didn't know anything about the Messiah. Maybe a few of them did, but unlike the Jewish people who had the scriptures, the Gentiles would have been kind of in the dark. Now Jesus shows up onto the scene. The people of this community have this man that is plagued by all of these demons, and Jesus comes in and he is about to do something that is quite miraculous. So this demon-possessed man with all of these thousands of demons, this naked and nasty and dirty and just, just crazy, for lack of a better term, comes to Jesus and the demons speak and say, what are you doing here, son of God? Now, we don't see it in this account of the story, but if you read in Matthew chapter 8 in his account of the story, uh, the demons, he records that the demons say, have you come to torment us before the time? Now, this would make sense in that the demons are afraid of Jesus because they know that their time is short. They realize that there is coming a time, or at least in this story was coming a time, when they were going to be tormented, when they were going to be under the judgment of God and there was going to be nothing they could do in, under the power of God. They knew that there was a time coming, and that's evident by the fact that they asked Jesus, have you come to torment us before the time. Now the demons here don't want to leave this area. Even in being in this man that they're in, they ask Jesus, would you just cast us out into these pigs? Don't make us leave this area. We don't want to leave this region. Now I don't know what the reasoning was for them not wanting to leave the region. Perhaps there was lots of demonic influence in the region. Perhaps uh, they knew that those people would be easy targets and they could uh, persuade them and they could possess them. I don't know what the demon's reasoning was for wanting to stay in that region. But for whatever reason, they had a reason to want to stay in the region. Now here's this demon-possessed man, and the demons are before Jesus, and Jesus grants the request of the demons. Now, why Jesus did this again, I don't know. Perhaps so he could, uh, the rest of the story could unfold and maybe glory could be given to God. Now, the demons request that they can be sent into pigs. Now, this seems, again, like an odd request. And again, I don't have a good reason as to why that is the case. Uh, perhaps uh, they figured being in, in pigs would be better uh, than being uh, thrown into the abyss, uh, as it's referred to in one of the accounts. I can't remember if that's Matthew or, or, or Luke's account. But in one of the accounts, it's referred 
referred to as the abyss, and they realize they don't want to be cast into the abyss, and so perhaps being cast into pigs, while not as good as being in a human, uh, would be far better than facing the time of judgment. Now, Jesus grants the request of these demons, which is quite interesting. And upon entering into this herd of pigs, which is about 2,000 pigs, it says that the pigs rush down the steep bank and into the ocean or the sea where they are killed. Now, again, that's an interesting part of the story for us to consider. I wonder why the pigs did that. Was it the demons trying to kill themselves? Well, that really wouldn't make sense. Uh, does a demon, once they don't have a place to dwell, is that the time that they are placed in chains or placed in uh, uh, the abyss until the day of judgment? Well, I don't know the answer to that question. In Second uh, Peter chapter 2, uh, there is a reference that Peter makes about those fallen angels who are held in chains until the day of judgment. Now, demons could be fallen angels, or they could not be. The Bible doesn't clearly tell us one way or another on that. Uh, but perhaps there is a place where demons are healed uh, until the day of judgment comes. Uh, perhaps when a demon does not have a body to possess, perhaps it is cast into that place, into the abyss, uh, held in change until the, the day of judgment. The Bible just really is not clear on those things. We just don't have a lot of good detail to answer those questions for us. So why did the pigs run into the water? Well, I don't have a good answer to that, although I have one theory, and you may accept or reject that theory if it sounds good to you. But my theory is that upon the demons entering into the pigs, uh, the demons simply went crazy. Uh, their, their minds could not handle uh, the demons no more than the man could. Uh, the man was acting crazy in his actions, and so when these pigs uh, also were possessed by demons, they also began to act crazy and do crazy things to the point that they uh, took their own life. This is not even uncommon even today. I was doing some research, and you can find quite a few stories of animals that, that willingly will drown, will give up their own life, will go into the water, and will purposely not swim. Uh, there was one account I read with a dog that jumped into the water, not swimming, trying to sink, and he was washed back to shore, and he continued to do that until finally he drowned. Now, that's an odd thing to do. Perhaps that dog in that story was demon-possessed, but you do see instances like that. Uh, perhaps animals do these things because they also are affected by the demons in the same way that the humans are. So my theory would be that perhaps upon being possessed by these demons, these pigs, their minds couldn't take it, and acting crazy, they rushed into the sea, ending their own lives in the process. But that's not really the significant part of the story here. Because what occurred after the pigs left the man is the man uh, became sane again. He was clothed. He was speaking in his right mind. He was at peace. He was at calm. What a wonderful, joyous feeling it must have been for that man. To be delivered from the evil that was within him, to be freed of that, and now to be able to live a normal life again. Now, the people of the, of the, of the town that saw this or that heard this story knew that something had happened. They saw, one, that this man that they could not control, now Jesus had come, and he was in control of this man. Two, they saw a lot of money dead in the sea because whoever raised those pigs were pro was probably making a living off of those pigs. It would have been a good money maker. And so for thousands of pigs to be gone and killed in the sea in that one instance was probably not a good day for the owner or owners 
of those pigs. So not only was, was, was Jesus in the area and he was greater than the one that they could not uh, previously overcome on their own, but he also was affecting things in the land. Now, when the people saw these things, you would think their response uh, would be, whoa, who is this Jesus? And we want to know more about him. But, on the, but, but the opposite occurred. Upon seeing these events that took place, they wanted Jesus to leave their region. Get out of here. We don't want to have anything to do with you. Now, perhaps it was some fear. Perhaps if they knew how bad the man who was demon-possessed was, and Jesus was more powerful than him, maybe they said, well, we don't want anything to do with this guy. Now, they should have said, look, this guy's so powerful, we better listen to what he has to say. We better see who he is and what he's about. Perhaps they asked him to leave town simply because the rest of them were afraid that he was going to drive all their, all their pigs into the sea. Maybe they said, hey, if Jesus stays around and there's other demons, he starts casting them out, we may not have a pig left in the whole area. Uh, so perhaps their motivation was strictly a physical or monetary and that they didn't want Jesus to mess up the business and the things that were going around there. And while the people of the city didn't want Jesus to stick around for very long, the man who had been delivered by Jesus came to Jesus wanting to get into the boat saying, I want to come with you. I want to be with you. I want to, I want to serve you. Thank you for what you've done. I want, to, I want to go along with you. But Jesus said, nope, you're not going to come with me. But he said, I want you to go. And I want you to tell your people, your family, your village, the Decapolis, that is 10 towns that are together. He said, I want you to go to the Decapolis and I want you to tell everybody in those cities that God has shown you mercy. What a beautiful story this is that we see a man that was so overrun, overtaken by evil, that was full of evil within, that was living in nastiness and darkness. What a beautiful story to see that Jesus Christ in all of his power delivered that man to where he was sane and clothed and praising the Lord. Now in the context of this story, I realize that it's speaking about demon possession. And while I believe that that may occur in some instances today, and maybe some of you have experienced that, or maybe there is some demonic oppression that even occurs into our life, some influences and temptations that comes from the demons, I can honestly say, and maybe this will always be the case or maybe not, I've never encountered this type of thing, at least not knowingly, at least not knowingly when it comes to demon possessions. Now, there are many people in our world today that do a lot of crazy things and act in a lot of crazy ways similar to what this man in the story did. Now, it is very possible, I believe, that some instances of, 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 of insanity and mental problems in this world today could be the result of, of, of demon possession. I cannot rule that out. That could very well be the case. Now, I'm not saying that every mental issue that occurs is a result of demon oppression or demon possession, but I do believe that it's possible that some of the things in this world today that the medical world uh, would label as this disease or that disease or give a medicine for this or a medicine for that, that some of these things may be demonic. And in that case, the same one that overcame the demons in this story, that is Jesus Christ, is the same one who will overcome those demons in this world. And in the context, in that sense, I believe that these type of things still occur today. But another application that I think that we may can get from this, not speaking necessarily of demonic possession, but simply looking at our own lives, to realize if we really break it down, that you and I may not be much better than that guy who was living in the tombs. 
Now we look at him and we see the way he was living and we see the things that he was doing and we say that's pure evil. And whether we like to admit it or not, each one of us in this room is pure evil. There's a lot of evil that is within you. Now what we do is, is we say, well that person and that person and that person, they're evil. I see this person and I see that person, they're evil. I'm not that bad. I'm pretty good. After all, I was just passing out sleeping bags in New Orleans to homeless people. Who else would do that? And we like to think of ourselves as being a little better than maybe we really are. But really, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we are just evil people because there's sin in our life. Now, sometimes that sin grows and causes us, or well, I won't say causes us, it drives us to do things that we shouldn't do, things that are really bad, things that are more evil than other things maybe than we can think of. And that's really what sin does in our life. And the truth of the matter is, is that we all have that sin in our life. And for some of us, it may come out in one way, and for others, it may come out in another way. But the truth is, is that we are all evil. And see, what evil does is evil wants to, wants to stay away from anything that's good. Evil wants to stay away from anything that's right. Evil wants to stay away from the light. That's evidence in this story. This man in this story who was demon-possessed, he was not living like a normal person among the other people, and the demons were just controlling his actions. No, when this man was overtaken with evil and the evil that was within him, he left the city. He fled where? To a place of death, to a place of darkness. He, he, he ripped his clothes off. He was living in nakedness. He was living in shame. Uh, before sin came into the world, Adam and Eve were naked and they felt no shame. But as soon as sin entered into the world, even our nakedness is a shame to us because of what sin is. Now here is this man completely away from everybody else. He's in the tombs. He's in a place of darkness. He's in nakedness. He's cutting himself. He's injuring himself. Perhaps it was a way of the demons inflicting pain on him because of just how evil demons are. Perhaps it was a way of the man in his right mind. Uh, maybe he was cutting himself, uh, trying to give away for the, the demons to flee. I don't know why the man was cutting himself, but what a horrible thing. What a horrible place to do where someone is sitting there continually cutting themselves and covered with scars and living in pain and being stinky and nasty and dirty and naked and living in darkness. And that's a pretty good illustration of what our life's like apart from Jesus Christ. Now, you may not have ever been there physically, and you may not know anybody that's been there physically, or maybe you do know somebody that's been there physically. But that's exactly what we're like spiritually. See, when we're living in sin and we're not seeking the Lord, that's exactly what our spirit is like. We're living in darkness. We're living in a place where we don't want to see the light, where we don't want to have anything to do with anyone else, where there's constantly pain that's coming upon us, where we're living in shame. That's what sin does to us. That evil that's within us, that is sin, that's what it does to us. It keeps us separated from everyone else, and most importantly, it keeps us separated from God. Now, when we first hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, what is our reaction to it? Well, some people may have the right reaction. They may listen to what Jesus said. They may recognize the power of Jesus. They may run to Jesus and kneel down before Jesus. Now, the demons did that, but they had no desire to follow Jesus. They had no desire to follow Jesus. They were simply 
afraid of Jesus. Now, having a, a fear is a healthy thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so if we ever are living in that, in that state in our life where sin has overtaken us, and we are ever exposed to God's Word, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, it may indeed have brought fear in your life at some point in time, or maybe it will at a future time. And that is a good thing if we act on that fear and humble ourselves before the Lord. But sometimes when people experience the Lord, they run from the Lord. But if we continue to run from the Lord, then guess what? We're going to continue to live in darkness and pain and shame because that's what sin does to us. We are going to be the crazy person. We are going to be the one who is hopeless and who is helpless. And eventually, who knows, maybe even physically, we get to the point to where we're not much better off than this guy because that's what sin does. The devil desires to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what the devil wanted to do to this man, and that's what the devil wants to do to you and I. He wants to destroy our life and make us uh, feel ashamed of where we are and make us feel hopeless and give up and quit trying. That's what the devil wants us to do in our life. But when we encounter Jesus in our life, we've encountered a hope in our life that the devil never wanted us to encounter. Now here this man is. These demons are having the run of this man. And into the picture enters Jesus Christ, the one who has power over the demons, the one who can cast out all the evil that was within this man, and the one who can cast out all the evil that's within us by forgiving us of our sins. When we come to Jesus Christ and we say, Lord Jesus, I'm evil and I don't want to be. I'm evil in the things I think about people. I'm evil in some of the things I do. And God, I don't want to be this way. This is not the man I want to be. This is not the woman I want to be. Dear Lord Jesus, I see that you are greater than the demons. We see it time and time again in the Scriptures. Every time that the demons come up against Jesus, who wins every single time? It's Jesus. Jesus is undefeated. Undefeated. Isn't that wonderful? And He's going to remain undefeated for all of eternity. Now there may be some things in our life this morning. There may be some things in your life, some sin that's there, some darkness that's there, some depression that's there, some shame that's there. Those things come. The devil will attack us with those things. He wants to get us in a place of so much darkness and so much shame that we just give up. But I want to tell you today, don't give up. Give in to Jesus Christ. I want you to go to the one who is greater than the problems that you're experiencing. And just as Jesus Christ delivered this man, so he will deliver you. The same power that he had to, to take all the evil from this man's life and cast it away, so Jesus Christ can do that in your life. He will cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. Now some of you have experienced that. You've got that. You've, you've recognized that you're a sinner. You recognize the evil that's in your life. And you've come to Jesus Christ and said, Lord Jesus, help me because I'm overrun with it. I'm ate up with evil. I'm ate up with these desires of the world. And Lord Jesus, I'm tired of fighting it. Lord Jesus, I'm tired of the world winning. Lord Jesus, I come to you because I know that you're greater than the desires of the world. Lord Jesus, I humble myself before you. I submit myself to you. Please forgive me. I put my faith in you. And when we do that, for those of you who have done that, what a beautiful day that is because there's a certain peace that comes from the Lord that comes from no one else. 
Jesus said, peace I leave with you. I don't give to you as the world gives to you. And what Jesus gives to us is a peace that we would never have apart from Him. The same peace that this man undoubtedly felt when the evil was taken out of him and he was saved by Jesus Christ is the same feeling that we will feel. It's a feeling of peace. It's a feeling of joy. It's a feeling of a feeling the weight of the world lifted off of your shoulders because Jesus has come to take that weight. Because Jesus has come to take that burden. And when we experience Jesus, when we really experience Jesus and His love and His forgiveness in our life, our reaction should be the same as this man who was delivered by Jesus. Lord Jesus, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. We may feel that way even sometimes right now in our deepest, darkest days. There may be days that we say, Lord Jesus, just take me home. I'm ready to be with you. There may be days that we say, Lord Jesus, just come back. I'm tired of all this stuff. Lord Jesus, I want to be with you right now. I want to be where you are. That's what this man said. Lord Jesus, I want to go with you now. I want to be where you are. And you know what Jesus told him? Nope, you're not supposed to come with me right now because I'm sending you to other people so that they can know about God's mercy. You know, that's exactly what Jesus does for you and I. Just like Mr. Sidney talked about in children's church this morning, that's exactly what Jesus does to us. He doesn't save us to take us out of this world right now. He saves us so that we can serve Him as long as we are in this world. Maybe for a year, maybe for 50 years, maybe for a couple of days. But as long as we are in this world, if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, He has called us to serve Him and tell other people about the mercy of God. Because that's really what we've received. When we receive forgiveness from Jesus Christ, when our sins are cast as far as the east is to the west, when that evil that's within us is, is, is taken out of us and the Holy Spirit comes and indwells in us, what we've experienced is the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus says. He says, nope, I want you to go back to your people. I want you to go back to your town, and I want you to tell them what God has done in your life. And that's exactly, brother and sister in Christ, if you're in here today and you're a brother and sister, that's exactly what God has called us to do. If we've experienced that grace and that mercy, if that evil that's in us has been forgiven by Jesus Christ, then we are to go out into the world and we are to say, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about peace. Let me tell you about the freedom from burden. It comes only from Jesus Christ. Let me show you the light. People may not always want to see the light. Sometimes they will even cringe at the light. But the only way that they will ever escape uh, the sin and the evil that's in this world is by knowing that there is a light out there. The same way that you and I have been forgiven is because one day we've seen the light. We've received God's grace and mercy, and that's exactly what God wants us to give to others in this world today. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for these words, and I pray that you just would... Help us to, to think on these things, dear Lord. These are kind of tough things and heavy things to try to figure out demons and whether they are or whether they're not anymore, dear Lord. But God, help us not to get sidetracked with that today. God, help us to see the power of Jesus Christ in these words. God, to know that even as evil and as harsh and as strong as, 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 as the devil was in this man's life, God, he was nothing against you. And so, dear Lord God, I pray that everybody here today gets that. That God, no matter whatever we're up against, no matter what that loved one, that friend, that one we know that's just, God, that's just doing so much stuff in, the, in their life that's just wrong, dear Lord, the one that we're praying for, that we don't know if they'll ever change, dear Lord, I pray that you help us to know today 
God, that you're greater than whatever they're going through. Whatever evil that we're going through, whatever evil our loved ones are going through, dear Lord, there's only one answer, and that's Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that if there's one in this room that has not accepted Jesus Christ and put their faith and trust in Him, God, today that they would come to the one that's powerful over all things, that we can put our faith and trust in Him and know, God, that there is nothing that we have to worry about. God, I pray that we just recognize Your power, that we recognize Your grace and mercy if we've come to You and accepted You as Lord and Savior. And God, I pray that you help us to go. Just as Jesus sent this man out, I pray that you send us out. God, that we tell other people that it's you that did the good work. If anybody ever tells us we're good, if anybody ever compliments us on anything we do, dear Lord, let us always give it back to you. Because God, there is no good that is in us that is not from you, dear Lord God. I pray that we give you the glory. And let everybody know that it's by your grace and your mercy that there's any love, that there's any kindness, that there's any gentleness, that there's any patience in us, dear Lord. It is of you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.